G'day everyone and welcome to episode 7 of the Spud Fit Podcast. I can't believe I've done 7 episodes already. It's been a lot of fun and thank you for joining me on the ride. Uh, my name's Andrew Taylor, I'm your host. Uh, this episode is brought to you by me and my website www.spudfit.com. Uh, if you go there, you can sign up for the newsletter and, uh, and keep in touch with me and everything I'm doing. I'll promise to never spam you. There you can also find my book, The DIY Spud Fit Challenge, a how-to guide to doing your own Spud Fit Challenge. The first half of that book is all about uh, nutrition in potatoes as well as uh, the most important stuff, which is the psychological stuff, how to deal with cravings and how to get the right mindset to get through your own Spud Fit Challenge. And, uh, and the sort of tips I have for dealing with uh, the addiction side of things. So you can find that at my website and you can also find it by uh, searching for the, the DIY Spud Fit Challenge by Andrew Taylor on Amazon. Uh, you can also at the website find uh, the Spud Fit Challenge if you want to actually take the Spud Fit Challenge. You're welcome to join up with a, a group that I run. You can find information on that on my website under the Take the Challenge tab. Uh, above all that, if you like what I'm doing, the best thing you can do is share it. Share with your friends, post Instagram photos or Facebook photos, um, tag me in it if you like. Uh, also subscribe on iTunes and, uh, and leave a review is very, very helpful for me. If you can leave a five-star review, I'd be most appreciative. All right, today's guest, Amena Van Dyken, is uh, a surgeon. She's from Hawaii and I've uh, had the great pleasure of hearing her talk uh, uh, twice now and uh, hanging out with her a little bit at a couple of different events and uh, got to know her a little bit and it's nice to be able to call Amena a friend. We uh, had a really interesting conversation. Uh, I was actually surprised and learned things. I thought having heard her speak twice before that I would have known all the answers that she was going to give me, but uh, I didn't and she surprised me and it, it was a really uh, interesting and entertaining conversation for me and, uh, and importantly, I learned something. It's always good to learn new things. So uh, yeah, Amena is a really, really interesting person, really knowledgeable and uh, we talked about lots of things to do with uh, health and surgery and her approach to avoiding the knife as well as uh, keeping our microbiome healthy uh, and, and of course, keeping happy. Uh, again, I really enjoyed the conversation. I hope you do too. Uh, have a listen and let me know what you think. Oh, and I keep forgetting to thank my wife, Mandy, for making the theme music that you're about to hear right now. All right, Omena Van Dyken, Good welcome morning. to the Spud Fit Podcast. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you for being here. No worries. So, start off with, uh, who is Omena Van Dyken? Perhaps you could tell us a little bit about yourself, just to get sure. things going. Sure, that's a complicated question. <laughs> it is, it is. <laughs> but it's interesting in to hear how people answer it, actually. Yeah, so um, I am a general surgeon by trade. I cut, I operate on people, but I would say my true passion is to help my patients find a whole food plant-based diet and healthy lifestyle. So I really, instead of focusing on the surgery aspect, which I do of course, but I have to really inspire patients to do lifestyle change 
and um, really change their lives. And for me, it's awesome because when they come to me, it's, it's a big wake up call for them. A lot of times they're in a situation where they're a little vulnerable and they're really open to change. So it's a good time to talk to them. Yeah, I guess uh, people come to you as a last resort, really. No one wants to be cut open. Precisely. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, they've, they've reached the, uh, the end of the road, I guess, when they, when they arrive at you. So I guess you probably get people at a, at a time of vulnerability when uh, situations are desperate for people. So it's probably a, a pretty good time to start talking to people about change. It is a good time. And, you know, I would argue that it's not really the end of the road. So I see people, yes, when they need surgery. And yes, it's unavoidable many times. Mm. But um, if I can catch them relatively early in the course of their health or their disease, yep. you can change things and really improve their life drastically. Yeah, well, cool. Uh, I think the, yeah, the important thing is probably that you're getting people who are vulnerable and ready to hear whatever they need to hear rather than, you know, if you just walk into McDonald's and see someone who's eating a double cheeseburger and is overweight and you try to talk to them about making change, they're probably not interested in what you've got to say. But you see that same person a couple of years down the track when they need their gallbladder removed, maybe they're ready to hear it then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. You can preach all you want and talk yeah. to people all you want, but if they're not ready to listen or ready to change, yeah. you know, you might as well talk to a brick wall. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so your YouTube channel and your, your social media stuff's called Out of the Doldrums. Uh, yeah. I really like the name. Can you tell us a bit about Of course. That? So yeah. Out of the Doldrums um, is something that my husband and I came up with. So my husband, Russell, he's really my rock and my support. He's there for me, and he, um, he, he's a yoga instructor. So in our work that we do together, especially with changing lives, um, we like to bring people out of a stagnant part in their lives. People are comfortable with just not changing and doing nothing, and it's actually very dangerous if you sit in this comfortability. So um, out of the doldrums is something that we came up with. We are big sailors. We love to get on a sailboat and sail. And anybody who sails knows that there's an area in the world where there's the doldrums. So the doldrums is this area kind of uh, in between the tropics and the area north where you get really good winds. Uh, There's really no wind there. And what happens is when you're sitting in the doldrums, you don't have wind, you don't move, you are in a stagnant state. So out of the doldrums is very relieving. To get out of the doldrums is a sailor's best day when they're sailing through that area. So um, when you translate that to life and you think about um, moving forward with your life and really getting forward with change, lifestyle change, healthy habits, et cetera, we thought out of the doldrums fit perfectly. So what we've done is we've had a YouTube channel and then online presence, Facebook, Instagram, under out of the doldrums. Yeah, I've loved watching uh, your and, and following your uh, social media stuff and your YouTube stuff, it's really interesting. But that I really love the definition actually because the doldrums is I'm not a sailor, so I've never heard that definition. And it's uh, I've just thought of being in the doldrums is like being depressed, being like feeling down. That's obviously that's another definition for it. But to that it comes from that sailing background is cool. Um, and I, I really relate to it because I feel like uh, I was. Like I come from the doldrums myself, you know, I've talked about my depression and I've, I feel like uh, with 2020 hindsight, I feel like the doldrums is not necessarily a bad place to be. It's um, like, I feel like I was born there, you know. And, yeah, well, and it's it, a comfortable place to be, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's um, as long as you don't sit there and, and stay there for a, for a long time, like you said, as long as you... Uh, 
pay attention to what got you into the doldrums and and figure out a way to get out but you know uh, anyway I just like that yeah, <laughs> I relate to it it's cool so what what sort of things do you uh, do in your life to keep yourself out of the doldrums to keep myself out of the doldrums I do quite a few things um, and I think it's a multifaceted approach so first thing and I think it's the most important thing is really finding purpose right I think it's important that everybody has purpose and for me my work is a lot of my purpose I, I love changing lives even if it's with surgery I really enjoy doing that um, and also just having this love in your life support in your life is huge on top of that you've got to add exercise you've got to add a mindfulness aspect which is super important um, and I think those are the main things to really keep me out of the doldrums yeah. I really try to do what I love do it often Okay, so can we elaborate maybe on what do you do for exercise then? How do you, what sure. sort of things do you like well, to do? Well, my husband being a yoga instructor, I love yoga. That's probably yeah. the number one thing. Um, to me, yoga is moving meditation yep. and it's, it's gorgeous. It's strength, flexibility all combined in one. So for sure that. Um, second on my list of favorites would be cycling. I just love to okay. cycle. I do it whenever I can. Um, yep. It's my favorite. Yeah. I'm I'm really interested in yoga and yeah. I love anytime I talk to someone who's into yoga I love the sound of it I've read about it and I've tried uh, many yoga classes and I've just never found one that I've been uh, I've never found a teacher that I've really connected with so I'd like to come and try doing some yoga with Russell sometime <laughs> yeah so uh, Russell actually says if you go to a yoga class for the first time ever, you want to give it three times. Okay. So a lot of people will go once and they find that they really hate it or they don't enjoy it and they don't really see the benefit in it. Yep. But if you go a couple more times, you get a little more benefit out of it. And then again, there's so many different types of yep. yoga and not one fits all, you know, it's yeah. kind of, you got to find the type that works best for you. Well, good call. I've got to, I've got to give it more of a, a chance then For sure. <laughs> looking at Russell over in the corner there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, that's a problem then I've done yoga, but I've only given them one chance and, yeah. uh, and I've felt like, Oh, I didn't really, it's not my style of teacher. I guess it's a lot like, uh, like when you see a therapist or something, then, you know, if you don't connect, then maybe it's not going to work. But yeah, uh, fair enough. I'll give it, I'll, I'll find someone and I'll give them three tries and we'll see how we go. Sounds great. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's, uh, that's a, uh, yoga is obviously a good segue into uh, what you said about mindfulness as well. I was going to ask what you do for more specifically for your mindfulness. And is that just yoga or the, do you meditate as well? No, or? so yeah. I, there's much more than yoga when yep. it comes to mindfulness. Um, yep. And, you know, at the risk of sounding very trite, there's a couple things that I do. Yeah. Uh, first thing every morning is I have a gratitude practice. So I wake up and I'm lying in bed and I really try to be mindful about what am I grateful for and really focus on those things. I think that's really important. It helps with your attitude for the entire day, gets you in the right mindset. So laying there, realizing what I'm grateful for, um, really conscientiously taking a log of what that is. I, I think that's very important. Um, and then I do meditation as well. I enjoy it. It makes me feel very calm. And I, I think all in all, at the end of the day, it improves my cognition and my performance. All right, cool. Well, yeah, meditation, another thing that I, uh, I've, I really love the idea of and I've tried many times. 
and I continue to try. I did some meditating this morning when I woke up. Nice. So, yeah, it's just about building that habit though, isn't it? Yeah, and, <laughs> and the thing about meditation too, it's kind of like yoga. There's so many different types, yeah. you know? One type of meditation may not work for everybody. Yeah. And yeah, there's so many varieties. I think varieties. Of a, a little bit like running. Like mm-hmm. when, you, when you first start running, it's pretty hard to drag yourself out of bed and go and get it done. But once you, and I haven't got to this point with meditation yet, but once you... Uh, with running anyway once i get through six weeks of getting it done consistently then it's easy i want to get up and get it done and it's, yeah. it's no problem that's absolutely right yeah and then you find that you start craving it yeah. kind of like the yeah, running yeah. you really just want to keep doing yeah. it. yeah so i've got to i've got to push through that six yeah. weeks and uh and get to that point and see how it goes mm-hmm. uh so you are this uh surgeon you're sort of a rock star of the plant-based community i've seen you talk a couple of times now how did it come to be this way for you what you know were you always plant-based were you, you know, how did you arrive at this yeah. point yeah so for me it was really a journey um it started when i was nine years old when i became vegetarian okay. i was a lacto ovo vegetarian but um, i went that way for ethical reasons uh it, it hit me pretty quickly that the chicken that i was eating was the same as the chicken that was running across the street yeah type of thing. And funny enough, the last thing for me to give up is I was giving up meat. The last thing for me to give up was hot dogs. Man, I oh, love yeah. hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> so um, nine years old, all the way through the rest of my life in college, I had been vegetarian, etc. Now, as far as making the transition to plant-based, um, that was done for health reasons. And it was kind of by accident. It was pretty fortuitous how it happened. Uh, I was a little overweight and my husband was as well and we were trying to lose some weight because we were going to Hawaii on vacation and Ah. um, in our discussion about planning to lose the weight I had really wanted to get this book everybody at the hospital was talking about it it was Joel Furman's fit for life book okay and um, we were a little broke at the time because I was training and (laughs) my husband says no no I'm too cheap to buy the book why don't we use this book that we have which is a cookbook that my brother-in-law gave me he had bought me a vegetarian cookbook for Christmas. Um, it was Chef Tall's cookbook. So Chef Tall's a pretty okay. prominent chef. Yeah, I haven't heard of him. But yeah, always, and yeah. little did we know it was a vegan cookbook. We oh, knew it cool. was vegetarian. Yeah. And so we started making a few recipes from that. I remember the first recipe we made, I still remember it like yesterday. Russell and I ate it and we looked at each other and we said, you know what? If this is what vegan is, we can do this. No <laughs> problem. This is delicious. Yeah. And honestly, every recipe in that book is amazing. So that's how it started. And then we decided, well, let's let's do this for a little while, see how we feel. We never put a time on it or we'll do it for 30 days and reevaluate. We just said, let's just see how we feel. It was a gradual transition. And along that, you know, I was researching the science behind it. And that's when I realized, wow, this is this is the real deal. When I looked at the numbers and the data and it's pretty impressive stuff. Yeah, definitely. And so how did that then uh, translate into your what you do for a living how how did that come across yeah so when you see data as strong as the data is for a plant-based diet and you're in the business of helping people it's almost completely irresponsible to not Mm. use that data to help the patients that you're trying to make better right yeah so for me you know having taken the Hippocratic Oath and really making a, a priority of helping my patients as much as I can I can't ignore that. So my activism is in many different facets, right? So I have speaking engagements where I really try to speak to the public 
Um, I have, of course, the online presence, but also just my day-to-day interactions with patients is where I'm able to really make a huge change. Yeah, that's uh, interesting that you say that it's irresponsible for uh, for people to not use the information to try to help others. So, uh, is there something that you do, or something that you can you think should be done to try to get this message spread amongst doctors and surgeons and dietitians and other people in the health industry? Or? Well, yeah. I, so I think the big problem is getting buy-in, getting yeah. a lot of my colleagues to buy in, and the way to get them to believe in the data and really want to make a change is not by beating them over the head. Um, I've, I've noticed that doesn't work very well. Yeah. You get the opposite effect. So really staying cordial with colleagues, um, even joking banter, that kind of stuff eventually turns into them saying, oh, well, maybe I'll take a look at that. And yeah. I've had a lot of colleagues that you kind of win over, so to speak, yeah. and they say, oh, actually, there's something to that. So right. it's it's kind of a slow process, but nice. there's change happening for sure. Yeah, I, I agree, I, and I feel like it's like the snowball effect is is happening. It's just getting bigger and bigger and gaining momentum. And absolutely, yeah. And uh, you're obviously part of that, so that's cool. Um, well, on to the next obvious thing. You're talking about changing changing the way doctors work and health professionals work. How, how about patients? What sort of process do you go through if if I walk in the door and say I've got diabetes and, uh, you know, um, maybe I'll need some surgery on this gangrene on my foot, for example. What, what do you, how do you approach that? How do I approach that? Well, you know, as we talked about before, unfortunately, these patients are in a vulnerable state. Um, they are very open to suggestions. A lot of times they have been compliant with a lot of their diabetes medication and they're still having issues with their blood sugars, etc. So at that point in time, you know, I have a list of resources that I give them, um, of plant-based resources, a lot of the very good, credible stuff like PCRM and the nutritionfacts.org website. And I have all these websites and documentaries like Forks Over Knives listed on a sheet of paper, which I give them. And usually I give it to them and I don't give them too much pressure. And I say, you know, this lifestyle is amazing. You really should check it out. And um, most of these patients I end up seeing over and over again. So the beauty of that is just a little bit of reinforcement every time they come in talking about it, asking how it's going, what are they doing to help gain control of their diabetes. And uh, usually we get a lot of good results from that. Of course you have the population of patients that don't want to listen and they're not receptive and you know, there's nothing you can do about that, unfortunately, but there's a lot of patients that are willing to give it a try. Yeah. I liked what you said yesterday about uh, being a surgeon means that if you've operated on someone, then you get a lot of follow-up uh, appointments to see them so I imagine that uh, that helps with making change if someone's coming back to see you every week or every two weeks then they're getting this constant reinforcement and I imagine that's uh, a helpful thing yeah yeah so precisely the story that I was telling yesterday in my talk um, I have a patient and I did get his permission to share the story but he did come to me with gangrene he had uncontrolled diabetes He had um, some toes in his foot that were completely gangrenous. He was septic from the infection. At that point in time, there's there's no salvaging. So it was going to the operating room. Unfortunately, we had to amputate those toes and kind of take care of the infection that was in his foot. But on the flip side, the beauty of that is I had to see him for quite some time in follow-up. 
And it was the same question is how are you controlling your diabetes? What can we do? And I gave him the resources and to heal his foot, he was laying around all day because he couldn't walk on it. And, uh, he kept coming in and one week he said, you know, doc, I, uh, checked out those websites. I think I'm going to give this plant-based thing a go. And I kind of looked at him and said, yeah. good luck and, yeah. uh, kept seeing him every couple of weeks. And one day I said, so how's the diabetes thing going? How's your plant-based thing going? And he said, you know, stopped all my diabetes meds. My blood sugars are great. My hemoglobin A1C is great. And, uh, yeah, this wound's almost healed. So it was pretty impressive. Yeah. That's just so cool. Um, it's, uh, one of the reasons I love what you do is that you're a, a surgeon that's trying to help people avoid surgery. That's like, it's sort of, uh, in a way it's going against, uh, your profession, which, you know, I imagine there's a lot of surgeons out there that just want to operate on people partly because they believe that that's the best thing to do, of course, but also because, you know, they see dollar signs when someone walks in that needs an operation. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's really refreshing to see and hear from a surgeon who's actively pushing against that. So, yeah. yeah. So what I like to say, the running joke is I want to put myself out of business. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to yeah. eventually see so many people that don't need surgery because they're on a healthy diet and lifestyle. Yeah. Right now, the sad reality is there's going to be so much business for me, you know, yeah. no matter how much my advocacy goes and all of our advocacy goes. So hopefully the momentum will keep going and that'll change. Yeah, hopefully. Well, you're, uh, you're, you're obviously doing what you can to make it change. So that's really refreshing. Uh, your talk yesterday, which was a great talk, by the way, uh, you talked about uh, 10 ways to avoid the knife. And uh, I like that one. So uh, maybe we could go through a few of your favorites. We could totally do that. Yeah. So the 10 ways, the first few ways, what I did is I focused on the leading causes of death, um, not only in the United States, but in the developed world. So the richer countries, number one cause of death is heart disease. So we spent a good amount of time talking on the studies that prove that heart disease can be prevented and even reversed in many cases with a whole food plant-based diet. So we talked a bit about Dean Ornish. We talked about Caldwell Asselstyn and all of their work and you know, that evidence is actually undisputable. So um, that was the first first way to avoid the scalpel. Yeah. Um, and then we took some time to talk about cardiac bypass surgery and how extreme it is, you know, having to go through that, the cost of it, the rehab involved, and then the fact that about a third of all of the grafts from a bypass surgery, they clot or they're, you know, narrowed within a year. Yeah, that's So after scary. going through yeah. all of that and <laughs> then you have issues with your brand new blood vessels, that's yeah. kind of depressing. That is something I didn't know before that uh, it can, that deterioration can happen so quickly when you get a brand new blood vessel, like your initial heart disease, your initial uh, plaquing, is that the right word of uh, plaque development, <laughs> plaque yeah. development of, uh, of your arteries and blood vessels it takes a long time and then you get this new one and it happens so quickly again yeah. that's uh, that's quite scary yeah and the other thing that we talked about in the talk yesterday is the age at which you begin to develop atherosclerosis yes, or plaque yeah. or heart disease or any blood vessel disease so I'd shown a photo of an autopsy specimen of an aorta and it had changes of atherosclerosis already. It had fatty streaks. And this unfortunate individual was 15 years old. Yeah. Meaning from the age of like 10 to 15 on, you're already starting to have changes 
consistent with heart disease. Yeah, and that was uh, really interesting for me as well. Obviously, as a, I've got a little boy, Teddy, and uh, it really made me think that uh, I've, I've got to be... Uh, we do feed him well, obviously, but I've got to be even more uh, on top of things and make sure that I'm feeding him the right food so that he's, uh, yeah, he's not going to be 15 years old with heart disease like probably like most of the population is i'm guessing if most of the population eats a a high fat high animal products diet so is it fair to say that most people 15 year olds probably have some some form of heart disease yeah exactly i think most 15 year olds already have changes consistent with heart disease or blood vessel disease so a lot of times when i'm talking with patients it's not the discussion changes. It's not how do I prevent heart disease. It's how do I treat the disease that I already have mm. because most of us do have changes already. Yeah. Well, most of us were not plant-based, whole foods, no oil, mm. no salt from, from birth. So, uh, yeah, it's a scary thought that most of the population is walking around with heart disease. Yes, and, it is. And most of them don't know it. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So a couple of other things that I really enjoyed talking about are the cancers. I mean, I don't yeah. enjoy talking about it, but I enjoy talking about the fact that they are preventable. Yeah. Uh, people don't really realize this, but cancers, less than 10% of all the cancers are genetic, meaning they're predisposed and there's not much we can do about them. Meaning the rest of the cancers, they're all lifestyle or sporadic mutations, etc. So breast cancer, for example, breast cancer has been strongly linked with obesity. Um, obesity is where women store their estrogen, especially when they're postmenopausal. Okay. And the thing about breast cancer cells is they feed off of estrogen most of the time. So the more estrogen we have in our body circulating, the more chance that there's food there for the cancer cells. So long story short, the less obese you are, the skinnier you are, and the healthier you eat, the lower your chances of cancer. Okay. And uh, this is a, an interesting thing as well, because you often hear about you shouldn't eat soy products because of phytoestrogens and things like that. So do you have uh, any information about that? Yeah. Is that true? So, you know, this is a theory. There's yeah. not really much evidence that shows yeah. that eating soy products will increase your chance of cancer. They're a yeah. different type of estrogen, the phytoestrogen that's in soy. And if you look at populations like the Japanese population that traditionally eats a lot of soy and tofu, yeah. et cetera, yeah. they actually have some of the lowest breast cancer rates in the world. So uh, I don't think there's much merit in that. I think it's a lot of um, hype and a lot of theory. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense to me that if the estrogen is coming from a, a uh, pregnant lactating uh, right. mammal, yeah. such as a cow, that's, uh, it's going to be a lot more relevant estrogen than something that comes from a plant like given that we are mammals you're getting estrogen from another mammal it must be different to the estrogen that comes from a plant such as soy or whatever other kind of plant so absolutely yeah all right uh my favorite part of your talk as with last time i saw your talk was was about the uh the gut microbiome so uh why is that important what's what is it Okay. All right. This is my favorite part too. So the microbiome, it's this amazing, fantastic thing that we're learning more and more about every day. So the microbiome, for those of you who don't know, this is the part of our system that is not us. So for every one human cell that we have, there's 10 of these microbiome cells oh, that, that live on that our body. That is a mind-blowing stat to me. Right. That's incredible. Yeah. So if you think about that, the microbiome is going to be bacteria, 
fungus, viruses, protozoa, things that live on our skin, around us, and in our bodies. The majority of our microbiome lives in our gut. And what we're finding out is that all of these, these organisms that live in our gut, they really dictate our overall health. So it's, it's actually mind-blowing to think about it. We're, we're seeing evidence that the bacteria in our gut can dictate our cravings. That uh, is it, it, crazy to me that this thing that is, you know, these, these little creatures that live in us that are not really even actually part of us can somehow control our thoughts. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's unreal. It controls everything and it controls our overall inflammation in our body. Um, it controls the amount of serotonin that's released and taken really? up. And serotonin is important yeah. because of the whole depression issue, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's close to my heart. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very, very crazy stuff. The other thing I'll bet you didn't know, well, you might know because you heard my talks, yeah. but two to five pounds of our body weight yeah, that was is our was microbiome. That is insane to <laughs> That's me. That's bacteria. <laughs> I've got five pounds of little critters living yeah. on me and in me, and they are dictating my health. Yeah, you know? yeah. And when you put it that way, it really makes it seem so much more important. It's two, two to five pounds is, well, I'm, I'm like 220 pounds at the moment. So that's you know, 1% of, of my weight which is quite a big number, I think, is made up of these little bugs that are, uh, you know, they, they play a big part in, in what I, my whole experience of life, basically. Yeah, yeah. So I've got to keep them happy. <laughs> That's right. So what we're finding about our gut and our microbiome is that the ratio of bacteria that we have and the healthy bacteria in relation to the non-healthy bacteria, that ratio is super important in determining our health. And what's awesome about this is that scientists have shown that we can manipulate our own microbiome, meaning we can kind of like biohack our body and get it to the perfect condition that we want. Yeah. Um, so yeah, studies have shown by changing what you eat or improving what you eat, you can adjust your microbiome in as little as two days. Which is impressive. Yeah. Yeah. So they took a study and they had uh, a group of people and they split them. Half of them, they gave a regular meat diet, standard American diet, bacon, eggs, all that stuff. And the other half, they did a plant-based diet. They checked their microbiome before and after um, this intervention. And what they found is the people with a plant-based diet had a very, very healthy microbiome just after five days. And then they also showed that the people that were on the meat diet had unhealthy you know ratios of their microbiome and they also showed that they were starting to produce carcinogenic chemicals these bacteria yeah. actually when they ferment the meat they create these chemicals that are direct carcinogens wow that's that's amazing so yeah yeah i, I just i'm totally fascinated by this idea that we've got all these critters living in us that are like how how can I think of it like like where we are basically a big apartment building, and there are we've got tenants that are. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> that so are true. We've here. got tenants. Yeah, they're, they're, I, they're our tenants, and um, and I before I made my lifestyle changes, I was a building full of bad tenants that were having parties and destroying the place. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so true. Yeah, and uh, it's, it's cool. I find it so cool that we can just make simple changes and suddenly we've got good tenants that look after the place and uh, you know, fix things when things go wrong. And 
Yeah. Now, if there's some paint peeling on the walls, they'll paint it for us. And exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's a couple other really important things when it comes to the microbiome. Um, the first one, and this is an important tip for everybody, is to avoid antibiotics if they're not medically necessary. So yeah. um, there's a role for antibiotics. They save thousands of lives every year. But if they're not necessary, please don't take them. One course of broad-spectrum antibiotics, so what you would get maybe for a sinus infection, et cetera, can kill off to a third of your microbiome, can just kill wow. off a lot of these bacteria. So a question to ask your doctor when they want to give you antibiotics is, are these necessary? Yeah. Is this necessary? And if the answer is yes, then yeah, maybe you should think about taking it, but always think twice about that. Yeah. Yeah. And if it's like if you've got a cold or something, you know, maybe you're avoiding feeling a little bit... Uh, a little bit worse for wear for maybe one day or something, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and the, so the first point is colds most of the time are viral. So yeah. antibiotics don't really help so oh, much okay. with that. Yeah. But the other thing is if you take these antibiotics to feel better a day or two sooner, right? Yeah. At the cost of your microbiome, which can take months, even years, it may never even be the same yeah. after these antibiotics. It, it may not be worth it. Mm. And a couple other points that are not really dietary, but things you can do to strengthen your microbiome. Um, one of them, and I know many people may have an issue with this, but it's don't shower every day. All right. If you can get away from showering, and I'm talking showering with soap and scrubbing yeah. and all that, you know, try to avoid that if at yeah. all possible. Um, when you shower, especially when you use soap and especially like an antibacterial soap or a yeah. soap that has a lot of chemicals in it, you wash away a lot of those healthy bacteria. Yeah. So what if it's like a, a natural soap made with some sort of... That's I okay. What, I so don't know what they make natural soaps with, but I was going to go... <laughs> like <through>. a Castile <laughs> soap yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So you do want to wash, of course, your smelly bits, right? Yeah. Your armpits, your groin, yeah. that sort of stuff. That's okay. Yeah. But the rest of your body, honestly, if you kind of let that water wash over you, you don't really need soap yeah, most okay. of the time. Yeah. What and about like washing your hands? Should you use antibacterial stuff on your hands? Do you think? Awesome or, question. Yeah? I wish I, I, it sounds like I would have paid you for that one. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, so I actually advise against antibacterial soap, against like the Purell little hand sanitizers, etc best thing is just regular yeah. soap and water. Oh, you got so, me thinking now. Yeah, like, the Purell, honestly, yeah. yeah, it works. It kills a lot of bacteria, yeah. but it changes everything. It changes yeah. that balance, and it's not good. You've got me thinking now even about washing the dishes, like... You know. <laughs> well, you've you got to yeah. have a certain amount of cleanliness, right? Because yeah, yeah. you think about, you know, oh, very poor, homeless yeah. countries, etc. Yeah. And, you know, they're dealing with cholera and all sorts of stuff. You have to have some sanitation. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying we shouldn't wash the dishes, but I'm like, is there a kind, should you avoid antibacterial dishwashing yeah, soap as I, well? Yeah, I would say and make it a rule to avoid antibacterial yeah. anything. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. For sure. We we went through this phase where bacteria was the enemy and everything came out antibacterial yeah. and you're lysoling all the counters and yeah. all that and yeah, you don't so have even to do that. You're washing your clothes, everything, you you would still avoid it for that too? Antibacterial, yeah. yeah. yeah wow. I mean unless okay. so yeah. we have a sanitizer function on our washer yeah. and I work in a hospital, right? So I have yeah. certain things that yeah, we definitely sanitize yeah, yeah. but regularly no need yeah you yeah. need to do the antibacterial sanitation when you're doing surgery I'm, I'm guessing. oh yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah there's absolutely a role for that yeah and kind of on that same note um have you ever heard of the no poo movement meaning no shampoo 
Like, <laughs> I know, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. So, I poo. I'm like, how am I going to avoid that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so all the young kids are doing it these days. If you just look, it's called no poo. And basically, they're trying to avoid washing their hair. And you think about it, your hair and your scalp actually harbors a lot of your microbiome too, right? Yeah. A lot of your bacteria. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, you've got people with beautiful hair that are not really shampooing. They're using, you know, natural yeah. hair rinses, etc. Uh, I've never gone that extreme, but I will say that I do sparingly wash my hair. And yeah. I think most people should avoid washing their hair every day. Yeah, That's okay. overkill. Yeah, right. Oh, this is... Um I thought I knew everything you were going to say from having seen you talk twice now, mm. but uh, this is, um, I yeah. love this. I, I got a couple more. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, One of them going. is get, yeah. a, get a pet. So oh, okay. when you have a pet, they actually carry a lot of critters on them as well, yeah. which are most of the time not harmful, and they will help improve your microbiome and your immune system. All right. So yeah, a pet is useful. I don't have a pet at the moment, but I grew up with dogs, and uh, yeah, uh, you often see people like kissing their dogs and things like that. And you think, oh, that's disgusting. But maybe they're doing something healthy by sh swapping their bacteria a little bit. I guess. <laughs> well, don't they always say a dog's mouth has less germs than a human's mouth? Really? I've heard that. I, I don't know that. how scientifically sound that is, but I've definitely heard that. Yeah, well, oh, cool. So if you got, yeah, yeah let's, let's rescue some dogs and cats from the shelter and uh, exactly. help us get healthy too. Get a pet, yeah. Um, another one is to open your house up as much as you can. So yeah. open your windows, open your doors. There's a lot of bacteria that are healthy and spores that just float through the air, and right. it's good to get them in and around you. That's definitely uh, something we try to do. We have good. our windows open. We even try to like sleep with the windows open, even on a cold night, because we want the air to come in. But I didn't. Uh, another thing I didn't know about was because that's going to help get healthy bacteria around the place. Yeah. So. Yeah. So do you know how traditional sourdough bread is made? No. So you basically make your dough and you put it in a bowl and you let it sit under an open kitchen window. Right. You don't have, if you don't have the sourdough um, starter, right? Yeah. And you let it sit. And what happens is the bacteria come in through the window mm. and the natural yeasts and they st settle in on the dough and then the dough kind of ferments and that's how you get your sourdough. Wow. So it's, it's a proven thing. <laughs> this is, yeah, um, you're blowing my mind here. <laughs> What else? Have you got anything else then? I just want to um, yeah, sit back so, and keep learning here. Okay. So <laughs> other things that are important are to eat fermented foods. So okay. fermented foods have probiotics, which are healthy bacteria. So we're talking about uh, kombucha, which is healthy. I um, like kombucha. Yeah. The one caveat with kombucha is you want to make sure that the sugar content is not too high. Yeah. So kombucha traditionally is made, right, with your bacteria that ferment sugar. So by the end of a proper kombucha making, you should have really little to no sugar in yep. it because it's all fermented. But a lot of the commercial kombucha brands are going to add sugar back in yeah. just to make it sweeter. And that's dangerous. Yeah, I do always look for the original flavor Yeah. because there's a, you get a lot of flavors. And they're, they're, uh, mostly I, I didn't understand about the sugar side of things, but... Uh, when I've when I've le checked the labels, uh, the original flavor is always much lower in calories than when you look at like the raspberry one or whatever. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, I stick with the original one for that reason. But yeah, obviously not having sugar is a, a good idea too. Yeah, yeah. So other fermented foods: kimchi, sauerkraut, yeah. uh, miso is and a really good one. Sauerkraut goes well with mashed potatoes too. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good stuff. So yeah, try to incorporate fermented foods into yeah. your diet. 
And then the other thing most people don't know about are prebiotics. Yeah, so this is something I learned from your talk too, yeah. Yeah, so we have the probiotics, which are the fermented stuff, and you can take probiotic capsules, etc. Prebiotics are actually foods that we eat not to feed us, but to feed the bacteria in our microbiome. So yeah. foods with prebiotics, the more of those you eat, technically the better and healthier your microbiome will be. Okay. So prebiotic foods are going to be insoluble fibers. Um, high fiber diet, you're going to get prebiotics, no questions asked. So the, probably the number one prebiotic is actually inulin, which most people haven't heard of, and that comes from yeah. chicory root. So chicory root, okay. Yeah, yeah, so chicory, I don't know if you've ever tried it. It's a coffee substitute. It's, you can kind of make this cup with hot water and add a little chicory and drink okay. it, and it's not too bad, yeah. but you can also <laughs> um, get other sources of inulin as well. Yeah. But as far as whole foods go, eating you would eat every day, um, Jerusalem artichokes are good. Leeks, yeah. onions are very good source oh, good. of prebiotics. Right. Leafy greens have those. So you just want to incorporate as much fiber as you can yeah. into your diet. So there's not a lot of thought needs to go into what we eat to make sure that we've got a good, uh, healthy gut microbiome. We just eat whole foods and a, and a variety of them and we'll get what we need. Yeah, yeah. So as long as you eat a whole food plant-based diet and you avoid the dangerous stuff like the dairies and the meats, you, you'll yeah. be doing pretty good. All right. What about uh, supplements then? You, you see, you go into any uh, pharmacy or health food shop or whatever and you'll see lots of supplements for probiotics and prebiotics. Uh, what, do, do they have a role? Do you think they're worthwhile? Or? So my thinking on probiotics to start is that there are situations when you want to take them. I don't think everybody needs to go out and buy a probiotic supplement, especially if you're not having issues. So roles for probiotics would be um, let's say you know you have issues with your gut, irritable bowel, or something called dysbiosis. When you know your bacterial ratios are off, then you want to be taking them. Um, interestingly enough, if you have a history of heart disease or high cholesterol, probiotics are good. There's yeah. studies that show okay. that they lower your cholesterol. The Canadian government, as a matter of fact, they pay for high blood pressure, high cholesterol patients to take probiotics because wow. they know there's a link to lower those. Those Canadians are so progressive. I know they, they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, that's so, cool. Um, and then the other big thing is if you are needing to take antibiotics and they're necessary, you absolutely want to take a probiotic supplement as well. Okay. And the thing about probiotics to remember um, is they take a while to work. So you want to give it 60 to 90 days before that you long. really notice wow. a difference. Yeah. Yeah, so you got to remember that. And then the other thing is that probiotics are not equal. Not everyone is equal. Yeah. So when you're going to your supplement store and you want to buy them, you want to look for a couple things. Number one is you want to make sure that there's over 50 billion colony forming units. So a lot of them will have 10 billion, 20 billion. You want yeah. over 50 billion. Okay. And then the next important thing, you want to make sure there's multiple strains in there. Not yeah. just one, not just lactobacillus. You want to have a few different kinds yeah. Um, preferably more than three different varieties, if at all possible. Right. And should you be getting the the ones like you get some probiotics that are on the shelf and some that are in the fridge at the store? So does it matter? So I technically they say it doesn't matter, but I recommend the refrigerated ones. Yeah. Um, there's a simple test you can do at home. You can actually check your probiotics to see if they work. Oh yeah. If you have, you can take any medium, like say take some cashews or almonds, blend it up into a nice paste. Yep. open up your probiotic capsule, sprinkle it on top and stir it up. 
within about 12 to 16 hours, you should be seeing fermentation. You should be smelling a little bit of that fermenting process. If so, you know that those are good probiotics. Now, I'll tell you, I've had some... I do this kind of for fun. Yeah. You kind of take out and you do that and boy, they don't work. It's, you might as well right. throw your money away. That's so interesting. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm loving this. I'm <laughs> learning so much. So while we're on the, on the topic of, uh, of supplementing probiotics and prebiotics, are there any other supplements that maybe we should think about taking? Or, yeah. yeah, so I, I'll start by saying that there's only a couple supplements we should be taking. I am a firm believer in getting your nutrition from whole foods. Um, as a vegan or a plant-based person, you do need some B12, unfortunately. That's the one supplement everybody needs to take. I'll tell you the ramifications of being B12 deficient. They're, they're not good. You don't want to go through that. (laughs) So yeah, B12 for sure. Um, vitamin D is debatable. I do recommend that people get their vitamin D levels tested. It's a very narrow sweet spot where you want to be with your vitamin D levels. If you're too low, your chance of mortality goes up. And if they're too high, your chance of mortality goes up. I didn't realize that. I knew if it was too low, it was a problem. But yeah, I didn't know if it was too high. So that's why you got to get it tested. You don't just want to go out and buy a, a vitamin D supplement. Yeah. Yeah. So other than that, there's really no supplements. Yeah. Now I will tell you, there's a few things that are awesome to add to your diet. that are going to help with longevity as well yeah. as preventing cancer and chronic disease. Yeah. One of those is turmeric. So putting that in your food fresh, um, you know, you can grate it, you can put it in smoothies, you can put it in yep. a garlic press and just press it on whatever you're cooking. Yeah. Um, super good for you. We're There's getting... A, there are a few cafes around Melbourne, hipster kind of cafes that make uh, turmeric teas and things yes. like that that's a good idea then absolutely yeah. you can make turmeric lattes with plant-based milk you can do yeah. all sorts of stuff with turmeric it's yeah. it's amazing stuff yeah cool yeah all right what about drugs as well obviously you don't it's not a good idea to, to take drugs are there situations where you think it is a good idea or so you're yeah. talking about medication drugs yeah, right yeah, not so recreational yeah, prescri- Got no it. no prescription <laughs> okay. drugs yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, i'm not I'm pretty sure you're not going to say cocaine's a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) You got that right. Yeah. So prescription drugs, I think there is definitely a role for them. Um, Some of them are necessary. Some of them are miraculously life-saving. For example, you know, the hepatitis C drugs or the HIV drugs, some of that, those medications are are good. while on that same line, yeah, I, I think a lot of the medications are treating a symptom and a problem. For example, the diabetes medications, yeah. cholesterol medications, et cetera. And this is something that um, we can fix. We can fix these problems, prevent these problems with lifestyle choices that are good for us, with diet that's good for us. Yeah. Always better to do that than take a drug than you're dealing with the side effects, et cetera. Yeah. And a lot of these drugs, you know, you're on them for the rest of your life. Yeah. And how depressing is that? Absolutely. This is, I love that what you said about treating symptoms rather than causes. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, if we, if we focused more of our attention on treating the cause of whatever issue we've got, whether that's bad nutrition or whatever, uh, you know, it just makes sense, doesn't it? That we, we should be trying to fix the problem rather than just treat the symptoms. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, well, I think we've, We've probably covered the nutrition side of things and the drug side of things. What, what other things do you recommend for, for lifestyle? Uh, we've, people have been talking about lifestyle medicine. 
this weekend. So do you have any other recommendations for things we can do in our life that's going to make us healthier? So for the most part, I think we really, we talked about the majority of it. So yeah. you've got the lifestyle aspect as far as exercise. Yeah. Exercise is huge. Um, yeah. yeah, the majority is food. Yeah. Over 95, 98% yeah. of changing everything is going to be your food. But the exercise is additive. It really exponentiates the result. Yeah. Um, you want to be exercising a minimum of 30, day, 30 minutes, five days a week. Yeah. That's yeah, that's minimum. Any particular kind of exercise that you recommend? Or? Um, no, I think, well, yeah, I think the type of exercise you should do is the type that you love. Yeah. So it's different for everybody. But something yeah. that really kind of gets your heart rate up just a little bit is good. All right, that's pretty much what I say too. Yeah. I get people writing to me all the time asking me about what sort of exercise they should do and how much and all exactly. that. And I say the same thing. The best kind of exercise you can do is the one that you will want to repeat precisely so. <laughs> yeah. yeah and then we touched on the mindfulness aspect of it all yeah. i think that's huge yeah. and then of course the sense of community so sense of community and support groups that sort of stuff yeah. is very very important yeah more I important than we think yeah absolutely that's a it's a huge one to uh to not feel like whatever lifestyle changes you're making that you're not doing it alone i think mm -hmm. is uh it's yeah obviously it's it's hugely important definitely. yeah uh couple more questions and then we'll, we'll go and watch uh, I can't remember who the first speaker is today <laughs> but we'll, we'll go and I'm sure it's going to be good uh, what about alcohol is that, you know you, you read conflicting reports all the time about you know alcohol is good bit of wine's good so, and then other people say it's not so what, where do you sit yeah so to me alcohol I am fairly I would say moderate as far as my approach I believe that small amount of alcohol so one drink a day for women and two for men or less um, is okay I, I don't think everybody should be doing that but i do feel that if if you would like to have that glass of wine with dinner it's okay and it's actually healthy yeah. but i wouldn't go past that so the yeah. problem is is when you go past that you start getting into problems right yeah. even people, with all the addiction aside yeah. and all those issues you've got the issues of well, alcohol has to be metabolized, and it's usually metabolized into an acid aldehyde, which is a carcinogen. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, alcohol has been linked to a few different kinds of cancer, but again, this is large amounts of alcohol. Yeah. And as we know, a small amount of alcohol can help, especially with preventing plaque with heart disease, that yeah. sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, you've got the resveratrol as well in the wines, yeah. right? So yeah. that's going to help with long-term, you know, lowering inflammation, antioxidant, yep. et cetera. Okay, so if, if you're someone that maybe can't stop at one glass, you're probably better off not having any. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Yep. And uh, two more of these controversial sort of things is one of them is coffee. Same thing, you hear that coffee's good and you hear that it's bad. Where, what do you think of that? So my personal opinion is that coffee is good. Um, it yep. is an antioxidant. It's It's been shown not to be harmful for you. Yep. There are a few studies that show that it slows down or prevents the progression of dementia. All right. Um, so, yeah, I, I think coffee is okay. Again, everything in moderation. Yep. So a little bit, not six cups a day yeah, is, so is okay, one, one in my opinion. Cups is all right, but maybe yeah. not more. But if you don't drink coffee and you don't like it, it's not a reason to start drinking. Yeah, well, I, yeah. I'm, I don't drink coffee and I don't like it, so I don't have plans on starting. But So my wife drinks one, maybe two a day, mm -hmm. and that's yeah, okay. Yeah, that's she fine. Yeah, okay, cool. Last one, chocolate. Ooh, 
Sorry, before we move on, plant-based milk with your coffee though, right? Soy milk? Yes, or black. Milk, whatever, or black, yeah, okay. Yes, absolutely. Chocolate then. So, so dark chocolate, people say, I've not heard people argue that like milk chocolate's a good idea, but yeah. often you hear people saying dark chocolate is healthy. So Yeah, so yeah. all chocolate's not created equal. Yeah. Like you were saying, <laughs> yeah. there's the milk chocolate, the M&M type chocolate, yeah. Yeah. bad. Yeah. yeah. But the dark chocolate, that's okay. It's an antioxidant. Yeah. There's a lot of good properties in that. You just want to make sure that you get it from a reputable source, yeah. etc. Um, yeah, the dark chocolate, good for you. All right. But, but probably not a whole block, I'm guessing. Moderation, <laughs> as with everything, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. again, that's something that I'm probably not going to... If you, if you have issues with moderation, you <laughs> yeah, may want to yeah. stay away. Yeah, I'm not someone who can eat one or two little squares. If I, if I start a block, I'm probably going to finish it. So, uh, yeah. So, But if you're someone who can eat one or two squares, then it's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, I have a couple questions for you. Okay. Uh, I heard your talk yesterday, and of course, we know each other pretty well because yeah. we've kind of intersected at different talks before. Yeah. But um, I, I was fascinated just to hear the way that you were talking and how approachable you are. Like it was very nice to have you talk about the fact that you are just like everybody else, like a regular guy and your struggles that you went through. And I found it very touching. Thank I, you. I really, really, it, it, it hit a, a soft spot in me thank for you, sure. But how did it feel being up there sharing your story to all these people? It was really, it was one of the highlights of my life actually that doing that talk yesterday um, it was weird. I felt really good about it and I felt comfortable sharing all of that, which was nice. Uh, one thing about it was that uh, when uh, Tiffany held up the 10 minutes to go sign, I was like, what? 10 minutes to go? I, th I feel like I've only just started. <laughs> that happened to me too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it, was, it was really, it was nice. I really enjoyed it. And uh, obviously I must have enjoyed it if, it if the time went past so quickly doing that but yeah i just felt really supported and, and loved while i was on stage i felt yeah like i felt like people in the audience had my back it was good totally <laughs> yeah. what, what really cracked me up was when um well i'll start by saying i'm pretty sure dr mcdougall has a big crush on you <laughs> in that sort of a way and it was uh, so it's reciprocated. funny <laughs> <laughs> so when you were finishing and there was some comment about being over and he's like it's okay he can go over i'm the boss or yeah. whatever he said <laughs> yeah i, I like that was too. hilarious yeah but i think i think it was so powerful the way that you kind of just opened up your heart up there so it was it was wonderful yeah well that's all i've got really like i'm not any kind of expert like you are and like Dr. McDougall is, uh, I've, I'm not, I don't have any new information really to share with people. All I've got is what's in my heart. So I figured uh, I, when I was thinking about the talk, I was thinking I should show all this science about potatoes and, you know, all the, get deep into the nutrition and the reasons why this is good for your health and all of that sort of stuff. But in the end, I thought if people want to learn about potatoes, they really should be learning it from dr mcdougall or someone like you and uh yeah so i thought i've just got to just be real and share myself <laughs> did you find it intimidating being up there giving a talk when you're amongst all these medical experts absolutely i did yeah very intimidating but yeah Mc dr mcdougall actually gave me some advice on that a little while ago that and he said uh that no one's a better expert on you than you 
Yeah. So I tried to remind myself of that, that it doesn't matter how many amazing people are in the crowd, they don't know me better than I do. So yeah, it was That's uh, awesome. Yeah, it was cool. It was a good bit of advice. That yeah, for sure. Me. Yeah. And then my next question for you is, where do you see SpudFit going in the next few years? What are, what's your grand plan with uh, all this? <laughs> That's a good question. And, uh, and I've thought about that a lot, but really I try not to think about it because if I, you know, one year ago or one year ago was now was just after it went viral, but maybe 13 months ago before things went viral, I, I could not have dreamed that this uh, like if i if i tried to come up with my wildest dream about what would happen this wouldn't have been part of it (laughs) right right so uh, i'm not really um because of that i try not to think about the future or try to predict the future i just try to do what i'm doing now and just let it evolve and one thing is i'm writing a book uh uh, i've got a small book but i'm writing a bigger book about my whole experience and journey and I'm doing this podcast and I'm hoping to do more talks. And apart from that, I, I don't, I'm not even going to try to come up with a plan or whatever. I'm just going to just, just try to be in the moment and see what yeah, happens. That's amazing. <laughs> You're really living in the now yeah. and living it up, which is awesome. I'm having the time of my life and I get to talk to people like you one-on-one. That's a, that's a bonus too. <laughs> All right. Sure. Well, yeah, let's go and watch the last talk. Thanks so much for uh, for sitting down with me. I've like like I said a few times, I've learned so much uh, from this conversation, which I didn't expect to. I thought I thought I knew uh, what all your answers were going to be before I asked them. So yeah, before I asked the questions. Sorry. So yeah, this is this has been great. Awesome, and thank you for being so inspiring. Like I, I think I'm <laughs> speaking for a lot of people here, but thank you for oh, the work you do for sharing your story. Oh, thank you. That's really nice to hear. So again, uh, if people want to, if people are enjoyed this conversation and want to learn more about you, where can they go? So out of the doldrums, you can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. Yeah. And do you have a website as well? Or Not yet. We're going to do that. Stuff? Okay. Yep. All right. Cool. And, and does Russell have anything else, anything separate that people can look up he, or are you just together on social media? We're pretty much together. Yep. He does have an Instagram account, Russell V Yoga. Okay. Uh, that would be a good place to follow him. All right. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks. Thanks again. And uh, yeah, let's do it again sometime. I'll, I'll hopefully I'll come and visit you in Hawaii sometime and we can, we can do it again. Please do. <laughs> All right. Thank you. And spot up. All right. Thanks for listening. Isn't she lovely? Isn't she fantastic? I had such a great time hanging out with Amena Van Dyken and her husband, Russell, also a great guy. Thanks, Russell, for your help with recording, by the way. Uh, when my gear wasn't quite working the way I wanted it to, Russell stepped up to the plate. So uh, thank you very much, Russell. Uh, so again, sign up for my newsletter, www.spudfit.com to keep abreast of everything I'm doing, including uh, being notified when new episodes of the SpudFit uh, Spud podcast uh, are uploaded. Uh, and again, if you like what I'm doing, then please uh, share it with your friends, subscribe on iTunes, and leave a review would be, uh, would be really helpful. 
thanks again for listening and uh, I hope you enjoy your week and I hope you make your life interesting as much as possible. And that's that for this week. See you next week. Spot up.